You know, the best thing is RIAs can be done or any kind of real estate or investor group or meetup can be anything you want it to be. I've seen them built where people put very little effort into it. I've seen them built where people put uh, make them a very professional organization like ours is and everything in between. I would say just know what you plan to use it for and how you plan to design it going in. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the U.S. market and start buying cash-flowing deals. I'm your boy, Reed Goosens, coming to you from Los Angeles. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, this show is all about educating my loyal, loyal, loyal listeners, which are you guys. So thank you so much for dropping by and checking us out. If you're a returning listener, you already know you're in the right place. And if you're a new listener, then I welcome you to the show. Definitely go back and check out all the show, all the previous shows, I should say, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. We're on all the platforms. Now, if you do like this show and you're a new listener or you're an existing listener and you jump on iTunes and you give the show a review, in return, I will shoot you my new ebook, which is called The Art and Science of Raising Capital Like a Pro, The 4P Rule. Professionalism, pitch, practice, and patience. These are the four P's that I've developed through raising a lot of money in a very, very short period of time. And it just really walks you through how you get started. People are constantly asking me, how do you get started raising capital? Well, this little ebook will give you the exact tools that you can start raising capital effectively and start being a pro and start using that capital to buy more deals. All right, so the way you get your hands on this ebook is by jumping on iTunes, uh, giving the show a five-star review or a review, whatever review you think it's worth, then taking a screenshot of that review and emailing it to me at info at rsnpropertygroup.com and I'll give you a return email with the new PDF ebook, The Art and Science of Raising Capital Like a Pro, The 4P Rule. All right, guys, a little bit more on the housekeeping is that I am starting a mentorship program. I've had a lot of guys reach out to me and say, Reed, I'm interested to learn about multifamily investing and how I can get started. Well, I'm starting a mentorship program. So if you're interested in learning about how to start buying and selling, uh, multi, not buying and selling, but how to start investing raising capital, choosing the right market to invest in, having the right team members around you, creating your own brand, creating websites, all the good stuff, deal analysis, it's all jam-packed. If you're interested in that and you want to learn more and become a professional and learn from you know my ways of that I underwrite deals, my ways of finding cracking deals, my ways of how to create an awesome team, then again, hit me up at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. I am only taking on about 15 mentees with me uh, over the next uh, the beginning of 2017. So spaces will fill up really, really quickly. Again, if you are interested, I will shoot you the um, the mentorship program flyer. You'll be able to read through it all, see exactly what the awesome side-by deal analysis I will provide with you. You'll have unlimited amount of my time uh, and, and you will be able to jump on a weekly calls and we'll be in a, a closed Facebook group 
where we'll have weekly Skype sessions to all catch up for masterminding. And I'll also be teaching you how to start successfully raising capital to close on your first multifamily deal. So hit me up at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. All right, guys, if you do like this show or you have any feedback that you want to give about this show, because I love hearing from you guys, I want to constantly make this show the best show it can possibly ever be. You can tweet at me, tweet at Reed Goosens, R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. Remember, if you tweet at me, I will always tweet back. All right, guys, enough out of the housekeeping stuff and enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Want to turbocharge your investing career? Then start a meetup group. I've done it. And today's guest, we're going to talk exactly about that, how to be successful in starting a meetup group and increasing your sphere of influence so you can get more investors and more deal opportunities. But first, you know the drill. Today on the show, I'm so pleased to have with me Lisa Hogler. So Lisa is the founder and executive director of LA South Rear and an active full-time investor. She discovered her passion for investing after joining a RIA in Charlotte, North Carolina and purchasing her first property back in 2004. Lisa credited her success with the experience of members of that RIA and giving her the confidence and support to do her first deal. Since that time, Lisa has been the principal investor on hundreds of rehabs and rental properties. Today, Lisa's primary focus is growing her note portfolio and coaching members of LA South Rear towards investing, successful investing careers. Enough out of me. Let's get Lisa out of here. G'day, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Reed. Happy to be here. So Lisa, before we dive into today's show, I wanted to start out by, by welcoming you firstly to the show and let everyone know that uh, your REAR event was the first uh, real estate investment club I attended when I first moved out here to LA back in early 2014. Uh, and you know the group is incredible, uh, which is what you've, you've created. And um, after attending many of your events, I also accredit you to helping me start my own networking events. So um, you definitely helped me build the confidence and inspired me to, to start my own. So, so thank you very much. Well, well, thank you. Thank you so much. I had no idea. It was actually your first. Check that out, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, you know, anytime I move to a new city, I'm always just like, where's the meetup events? You know, where's the real estate meetup events? So, um, uh, but we're going to talk more about that. But before we do dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, um, which is all about understanding the benefits of starting your own meetup, um, do you want to give us a bit about of your background and what motivated you to leave the corporate world and get started full-time investing? Absolutely. Actually, um, I have a little bit of an interesting story in that respect uh, about, I guess this was probably about 15 years ago at this point, I had just finished business school and uh, started working my full-time full-time job at the time in corporate America. I was doing corporate finance and I got involved just as a side project. I started working with Habitat for Humanity and wound up getting very involved as a volunteer with them and um, really got into every aspect of new construction primarily. And what I found during that time was I really enjoyed real estate, but I didn't exactly know where it was going to take me. And when a job transfer happened, I wound up leaving my work, my nonprofit work with Habitat for Humanity. And I said, hey, let me try my my hand at this, you know, for-profit real estate investing stuff. Um, but at that point, I actually didn't have any experience uh, in, you know, with investing at all. And so I joined 
joined ARIA. And for the first eight years of my career, um, I actually worked a full-time job and I was investing on the side as well, doing a lot of the work, obviously, on, um, in, on the evenings and weekends. And what motivated me to finally leave corporate America were two things. One, my real estate business was doing very well, but more importantly, what I realized is I absolutely loved being an entrepreneur. And more importantly, I had a huge, huge passion for real estate investing. I loved everything about real estate investing. And I would get so much more uh, excited and energized by working in real estate every day uh, versus my corporate job. So for me, it seemed like just a logical progression to something that I was super passionate about. That's awesome. And uh, I mentioned in the intro that you've, you're from North Carolina, correct? So did you did your job move you out here to LA? How, how did that happen? I'm actually from Southern California. Oh, okay. And uh, I went back east for school, actually, uh, to do an MBA program. And I thought I would just stay out in that area for the couple years during the school program and then move back to the West Coast. And Somehow, 15 years later, I was still actually in the Southeast. So um, I, I certainly don't regret my time there. I did a lot of investing when I first started out uh, in the Southeast and was grateful for the experience. But uh, since moving back to California about three years ago, this is definitely home. Right, right, right. So today, I, Lisa, I really wanted to focus on the power of starting a meetup event and, and how it has helped you in your investing career. So can you walk us through just, you know, you briefly mentioned that you you, you went to a, a RIA after working for a nonprofit. What motivated you to start LA South RIA? And then give us a sort of timeline to get it off the ground and to, to what it's become today. Absolutely. Well, uh, when I started my own investing career, I was like so so many of the newbies I work with today. And I was looking around saying, well, how exactly do you do this? And 12 or 14 years ago, they didn't have uh, all of the resources that are available now. We didn't have everything online or all the books in the bookstores and things like that. So the only way really to learn this, the sport that I call it, was to go to a RIA meeting and meet other investors and network and learn from them. And Throughout my career, I had been involved with different RIA organizations. And so when I decided to leave corporate America for good and relocate back out here to California, I knew that I wanted to be a full-time investor here, but I also knew that I had no professional experience here. I knew that I didn't know a soul. And for me, uh, starting the LA South RIA was a way to build instant credibility. Um, I figured that having having the group being the one in the front of the room for anyone starting the meetup or anyone willing to lead an organization, you would immediately get the credibility and, and build networking a lot faster than if you were trying to do it organically uh, by just being an attendee at some of the different events out there. No, that's it's so true that you move to a new city. Um, you're actually very, very similar to myself. That's why you inspired me when I when I first met you uh, I, and you told me your story about how you started LA South Rear because you moved here and you, you said, I needed to, I don't know, get one leg up on, on other people to get my name known. And so you said, I'm going to put my hand up and start a, a real estate investing a group. I think that's very, very admirable. And, and that's why I said at the beginning of the show, you, you definitely inspired 
inspired me to do my own and give my sort of brand and my company a bit of a shot in the arm and, and my network a shot in the arm because that's essentially what it's for, right? Is to the bigger your network is, the the, the more deals you get done, the, the the more people you know. So um so yeah, so how long did it take before so when did when did LA South Rea first, you know, come into its infancy or when, when did you bring it into the world? <laughs> when was it born? Yeah, we actually started our first or had our first meeting with 12 people uh, in October of 2013. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's, re- yeah. it's relatively new, but it's it's skyrocketed since then, right? It, it absolutely has. You know, if I, if I look at how many people and how many investors we touch uh, on an annual basis, it really still blows my mind. Um, there's, you know, it probably took, I would say, probably took about a good 18 months to gain serious traction in this particular market. Um, but by then the, the, the leads or the, I, I would call them leads, but referrals from the members started really to mushroom the size of the group. And, uh, not only, you know, not only we, we host several meetings throughout the month. So not only were we seeing attendance rise on a very, very consistent basis at the monthly meetings, uh, the, the our, we call them our main events, but also our meetings throughout the month, our subgroup events as well. So uh, I would say it, it started immediately almost because I think we went from, you know, 12 people attending our first meeting to, uh, uh, having about 200 members in about eight, that 18 month period, but it's just been steadily growing, you know, a- almost since day one. Right, right. And, and and talk to me about how, in your personal investing career, how the group has you know skyrocketed your own you know investments and and your as you'll say your network. What what have been the, ma- the some of the major benefits? Yeah, I mean, in terms of what I set out to do and what I've done are just on two different planes altogether. I I, I knew that running a group itself would be would have an impact in my career. I didn't realize just how amazing it actually you know could be for me. Um, I for my own personal investing career, obviously I got plugged into the network at, at what I consider to be lightning speed. Um, <laughs> just in, incredible when I thought back, even after the first year um, when we celebrated our first anniversary, and I thought about how many people I had met along the way and how many doors had opened, and I compared that to what might have happened if I hadn't started the group. I was really, you know, just uh, in- incredibly grateful for the opportunity. When you're running a group, you get so many more opportunities. You get speaking opportunities. You get, uh, obviously, um, um, you get opportunities to be vendors at different uh, uh, fairs. You get opportunities to uh, be on panels. You get uh, opportunities are endless. And when that starts happening, you can't help but increase your own network. And, and just as you pointed out, your network is everything. So personally, for me, the, the number of, of, of partners I've met, the number of people I've met that have inventory, and I'm, I'm talking specifically about node inventory, right, right. Uh, people who have are, are looking to partner, uh, borrowers, lenders, you name it, just everything I have in exponential amounts right now. And so there isn't there aren't many deals that come across my desk that I can't, if not even participate in, uh, connect the people together who can participate. And that really puts me, has put me in an amazing position for my career. And then, you know, also to be able to move 
everybody else's along as well. So it's really it's it's completely surpassed my expectations. That's that's incredible. Um, one of the things I do like to talk about on the show is any sort of real estate investor when you're making that transition from the corporate world to becoming a full-time investor, you really have to, because of the digital age that we live in, create a, what I like to call a sphere of influence. And, and by by you going out and creating your group, you are now that, that key person of influence in your sphere, right? So you are that go-to gal who everyone, because everyone in LA knows who Lisa is. Oh, Lisa at LA South Rear. Everyone knows you. You know, you know you, you've got a very good reputation and that is, and that's because you're an awesome person, um, but also you're providing some incredible content that people value and because they value that they are wanting to that you're the first person they're going to call uh when a deal comes up you know so your your as you said your inventory is is through the roof your deal flow uh and then there's obviously all the the, the offshoots of of different opportunities so i wanted to talk a little bit about you know how you run your meet, meet up as a business because starting i i you know i've not me personally i can talk from personal experience when trying to start a meetup event you have that 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 um that butterflies in the stomach will people come so how have you cre- gone from 12 people to scale it to you know how many how many members do you have now like probably what over a thousand members or how many do you have I don't have quite that many actually. We touch, we actually touch about twelve hundred investors every year. We do know that um, on a, as a uh, on a uh, recurring basis. We usually keep our membership right around the three hundred mark right now. But we do have a lot of people who aren't full blown members. They just kind of drop in. Um, as you know, there's so many opportunities in the LA market that. Uh, not everybody wants a home base, but we do touch about 1,200 investors in our local market every year. That's incredible. And so talk to me about the journey of hiring a room to going now to, you know, I've been to your events and they're very polished. You have, you know, great sound systems. You've got, you know, people fill up the room. How did you make that that transition in terms of, you know, actual cost out of your own pocket? And then when you're able to turn it more into a, a business you know, it, uh, I, I kind of went into this a little bit different than many, many people do. Um, my goal initially was not necessarily to monetize the group. It was more to uh, just provide a resource and provide provide that, that networking and that oper- um, that educational space for people. So, yeah, so it, the business didn't run. I wouldn't call it profitably during the first couple of years because, there, it, you know, two things need to happen when you're really talking about running a full-fledged uh, RIA business and and I guess yeah the, the two things need to happen one is you have to obviously have the people show up and you need to be able to fund it and keep keep the programs active and going and um, what I had decided to do when I started the RIA was to spend the four first full year and the first 12 months and actually 12 months actually did turn into 18 months though just focusing on the RIA getting the systems together getting the programming in order uh, getting different elements of that business operational and functional before I did really anything else so it, it did take me a while to to dust off a few things and and figure out some of the processes really very you know uh, simple I guess in hindsight but at heart I'm an investor I'm a finance person so some of this stuff was very new to me. The some of the marketing aspects, some of the event planning and event management, it, 
it was just different things that I didn't have a ton of experience in before, but I kind of learned learned on the job a little bit. Right, right. And talk, talk to me about those experiences because we all go through that as being an entre- entrepreneurs, right? You, we all come from backgrounds of, you know, I was an engineer, you're in finance. You may not have be up to date with like Facebook marketing, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and, and, and Snapchat and all that stuff that you need to have as a business these days. Well, it seems that you need to have. So was that a was that a learning curve and then if so what systems like give me an example of a system that you try to implement that was maybe a a struggle for you at the beginning you know what i'm going to tell you that was so easy for me i i probably was the slowest one in the world to build a website i think it took me almost two years to get a website up and going and um it, it frustrated the heck out of me too because i i knew i knew what i wanted but i didn't know I, I, the learning curve was indeed steep for me because I didn't realize how, how uh, the, the right people that I needed to hire to get the job done. Um, right. I, I guess I, I felt like with so many things, it would be very simple. And there's, you know, there's do-it-yourself options. There are uh, options where you went and you go and you hire, which I did as well. You go and you hire a, a full-fledged web development company and everything in between. And at the end of the day, I was, I guess what I was hoping for with respect to a website was that it would just be a done for me thing because I didn't want to learn all the intricacies of WordPress. I didn't want to learn all the intricacies of, of, of how to make your website, you know, the best, uh, the best um, lead generation machine or SEO. Right. And, um, and I was hoping someone would just do it for me. And I, I found quickly that, that that actually wasn't the case. And so when I finally figured out how it all needed to come together, uh, it did take me quite a while. And, and fortunately, that's been really the, the hardest thing I had to deal with. Everything else was, was easier to figure out. Um, but the learning curve for all these little bells and whistles along the way is, is, is definitely steep. And, you know, even implementing some of these systems early on, I, I wound up changing them out, you know, six months later when I realized they, they weren't the right solution. So there was definitely a little floundering um, moving forward. But again, my point in putting processes and systems in place was because I wanted to really scale this meetup group. I wanted to scale the association and and run it very differently than just some of the groups that meet only sporadically. Right, right, right. And and so has your team that you surround yourself with, you know, it was probably a very much a one band, a one man band at the beginning or one lady band, I should say at the beginning. Uh, but what is that How's that? How's that morphed? Have you got people working with you now, helping you get these these uh, these shows, or not these shows, but these events up and running? And you know, talk about event management because on the day there's a lot of stuff that goes into presentations, powerpoints, sound system, seating, food, you name it. So how have you? Who's on your team these days? Well, we still keep a pretty lean, mean machine. Although, uh, obviously, the day of the events, we do call in, you know, call in for extra support. These days, for the RIA itself, I actually. I- have a full-time assistant uh, who helps me with quite a few things, and she actually serves a double role during our events and helps helps with uh, new members and guest registration and and just helping with I call it sales and and uh, membership services. Um, but in addition to that, I actually have uh, tech that comes in and does all my audio and, and technical work. I have um, uh, volunteers from the group who are there to also help um, 
help the newer people who come and just acclimate and get familiar. I call them ambassadors. Um, we have people obviously who handle check-in. Uh, so there's, it is quite a, quite a team effort to make it all happen. I mean, throughout the month though, I also hire, uh, um, you know, my philosophy with investing or with running the group is, is that things that aren't my skill set, I definitely need to outsource. So I do have a lot of contractors that work for me doing various, you know, different things, whether it's marketing, whether it's graphic design, stuff like that. So I try to make sure that that work goes out and I spend a lot of time just sort of managing the team. I would say the one area I still need to to get, I would say more uh, streamlined is my my video piece. I, I don't have a, I don't have a great, great, uh, video person just yet, but, uh, I know that that's coming soon. Right. Right. And, and talk to me about the consistency of content, because like anything, you're creating content for people. Like, like I'm creating this podcast. We're creating content right now and it, it, it's, it's work, you know, and anything you put your mind to, it takes a lot of work. So to be consistent, what kept you going with all the, the amount of work that goes into running a, a, a rear association? We host about, our group hosts about five, at least a minimum of five events each month that require content. And uh, so some of the way that I have, you know, helped uh, actually make that happen in our group is that we have different, uh, we call them subgroup leaders that actually take responsibility for teaching some of our, our monthly classes that we host as well. And I usually will collaborate with those subgroup leaders to come up with a topic the topics or, or the content is usually derived by what we know the, the, the members are looking for or maybe something that a member has requested or generally it's questions and topics that have come up on a repeated basis and, and, and definitely needs to be addressed. Um, with respect to content for my main event meetings, uh, I really am looking at, looking at what is needed in the marketplace, what, what the market is saying right now or what the membership is saying that they're looking for. For example, um, I haven't, you know, highlighted or, or we hadn't, haven't had any content related to foreclosures in the past three years, uh, obviously, because that's not what's happening in the market right now. So it's kind of a combination of what's going on in the market. And we're trying to stay ahead of the curve and, and keep people informed and up to date on what opportunities and strategies they might be looking at at any given time. But it's really me just kind of listening to the, to the, to the membership and being in tune with what's actually going on in the real estate market. Nice, nice. And what are the type of people that uh, are attending your events? Uh, from from newbies to seasoned professionals, or and everyone in between? Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting. You're, you've got it. We've got a very broad range of people who attend. I, I I tell a funny story because when we started back in 2013, I, you know, I was moving into an area of LA here and setting up this real estate. Investors Association in an area that already had a couple of other real estate groups. And my assumption was wrongly that people would just, you know, check me out because I was the new one in the in the geography. And uh, maybe I would get members from these other groups. What happened instead was that I wound up getting a lot of members uh, or a lot of people who had never before been to a real estate investors group. So uh, the first 12 months of the organization, we were working with very, very, very new green investors. Um, and so we, we really tailored our programming and tailored our content towards them. Uh, everything from 
you know, explaining definitions to basic calculations to really getting them going. It was like teaching a 101 class for the entire first year. Um, then as the group started to grow, we actually did start to fill out the the level of experience, the experience level that we have in the group. And that's what's been the most fun to watch, especially for me, because Again, the reason I'm doing this is, is to build my own network. So we do. We have a lot of people, both very active investors and those who are looking to uh, be more passive. We have a lot of people who enjoy the day-to-day work and do this full-time, maybe as active rehabbers. But we have an equal amount of people who are you know, professionals, maybe just with some surplus cash they're looking to invest you know, into a deal or joint venture be part of a syndication, whatever. Nice. So oh, we've got a whole whole gamut in the group. Yeah, well, if you ever need someone to talk about syndication, you know where to come, eh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> what I wanted to say is, and for all those listening out there, we've been using the acronym RIA, but it's Real Estate Investor, Real, Real Estate Investing Association. And uh, Lisa, you're a part of the national RIA, correct? That's correct, yes. We're, so, a, we're a local chapter of the National Real Estate Investors Association. So Lisa, how are you linked in with all the other RIAs around the nation? Well, we're actually the local chapter for the, the National RIA here in the LA, one of the three chapters in the LA area. National RIA has over 300 active associations uh, coast to coast. And so there, there are active groups in, in almost every geographic location uh, around the country. We all are run very independently and we all have different programming, different content, different membership types. But nevertheless, we do have a, a parent organization based out of the Cincinnati area uh, that we are all affiliated with. And and being part of the, the National RIA definitely provides our members uh, with additional benefits, um, you know, from, from some of our tier one partners that they can't get anywhere else. Nice. And, and, and so you can, could we jump between the rears or does, is it like a passport membership that takes us around to all of them or not, not yet? You know, not yet. I, that's something that people routinely ask for. I, I don't see it happening now, but sometime in the future, quite possibly. I think it's it's definitely a high demand thing, especially in metro areas like L.A., where we all are close enough. And, and it would seem to me that that would be a logical uh, next step. But we're not there at this point. Right, right. So what's the future hold for L.A. South Rio? It's really, I, I think it's absolutely going to be fun and amazing to watch this ride happen. Um, every year we continue to add new uh, new opportunities and new benefits for our members. The one we're really trying to uh, grow quite a bit this year is uh, our education for specifically our new members um, because a lot of the opportunities that are available for our for new members um, in the past have been outside of the group. So they're learning from outside gurus and things like that. And we want to give them an opportunity to learn within the group from local investors. So every year we're adding something new and adding additional resources for our members. Um, Personally, I'd like to uh, look at this year expanding to additional sites. Um, So we haven't locked anything down specifically on that yet, but that's my next step to be able to reach more people in our own geographic area. Nice. Very well done. And for all those people out there listening who want to start their own real estate meetup, what's the biggest piece of advice uh, when starting out or what what sort of takeaway tips can can they get from you? 
You know, the best thing is RIAs can be done or any kind of real estate or investor group or meetup can be anything you want it to be. I've seen them built where people put very little effort into it. I've seen them built where people put uh, make them a very professional organization like ours is and everything in between. I would say just know what you plan to use it for and how you plan to design it going in. My other recommendation would be make sure you do put enough time into the organization because those that don't have a lot of support or don't have a lot of thought behind them don't tend to last very long because the members can tell and the people who are coming and supporting you can tell that there's just not a lot of interest on your part. Um, The people will definitely engage a lot more if you're putting more of yourself into it because they'll be able to see that through the programming and what you actually can offer them. And it goes back to the sort of the underlying theme of this complete topic of starting your own real estate networking event is that you are the sort of the, the, the driving force. And that is, you know, you people come to your re-up to go and see Lisa because they know Lisa and you run that group and it's you that they're going to see, you know, and now you've grown this to this huge, incredible um, organization. So it's so a very, very well done. And, and I just want everyone out there listening to, to take away that advice that, yes, if you want to be a key person of influence, go out and start a networking event and provide content for people um, because content's key, right, Lisa? Content is everything. Without content, we're not in business. (laughs) Exactly. So, Lisa, I always ask my my guests to give me their top five investing tips. Are you ready to jump into it? Let's see what we can do, yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What daily habit do you practice to keep on track towards your goals? The one thing that I've learned over time, I think I'm, I'm like many of the other investors out there, I used to follow the shiny objects, had really bad shiny object syndrome. Um, the thing that's really helped me sort of transform my own career and stay on track every day is focus. And I specifically do that actually by calendaring out my day. So I set goals for the beginning at the beginning of the week, and then I make sure that I have a calendar that matches those goals. I'm very good at sticking with the calendar, But what I find is if I set goals and I don't actually pencil them onto my calendar, somehow at the end of the week, they never quite get done. So actually working with a calendar has been the the thing that's transformed my own business. In terms of, that's awesome. In terms of your daily habits, I love I love exactly what you, you just said there, but getting it on the calendar. Because if it's not on the calendar, you've got nothing to aim for, right? That, you got it. You got it. And somehow Friday gets here and you said, well, gee, that didn't get done again. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's the most influential person in your career to date? You know, I, I, I actually, I've been asked that question before, and I can't really say that I have one that stands out. Uh, what I can say is that um, I could talk about the most influential event I had, and that obviously was the period between 2007 and, you know, plus right in there, 2009. Um, that, that, that time frame really made me stand back and reevaluate my entire business. And um, when I... When I went through kind of the downside of real estate during that cycle and came back on the other side, uh, I definitely had a renewed focus in being a much more conservative investor than I had initially been going in. So um, I try to try to pay a lot of attention now to risk. Uh, try to pay a lot of attention to the right way, the right fundamental way to structure your real estate business versus uh, just sort of following the gurus and being able to make money. Uh, uh, in and of itself, just making money is not 
not going to keep you in business forever. Right. It's about wealth preservation, uh, understanding that cash flow, or in my, in my, in my mind, cash flow is king, uh, and, and not just looking at sort of creating a ton of cash just to sit in your bank account because it's not working for you, right? Correct. Correct. Well, I think it, it, more for me, it was more along the lines of risk and leverage. Right. And, uh, yeah, that, that, whole, that whole thing was just uh, changed everything about the way I do business. Today. No, 100%. You've got to always keep that in mind. How much, how much leverage are you taking into this deal? And if you're at 90% leverage, uh, watch out because <laughs> that's, right. that is very <laughs> risky. You kiss your cash flow goodbye, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what's the most influential tool in your real estate business? I'm sure, or in your real estate group, because I'm sure you have a lot of systems that you've now created. What one tool is the, is the most influential? You know, I'm actually going to say my email marketing system is definitely going to be the most important. Not only is it an easy way to communicate with members, uh, it is also an easy way to communicate with my investors, my lenders. Uh, it, it, it serves so many purposes in my business. Um, I don't know how I'd get by without it. So I, I would have never thought that I would have called that tool my most uh, important. But these days, it's, it's definitely the thing that I use almost every day. So I, I can't leave home without it. Nice. And what what uh, what email marketing platform are you on? I'm actually still on constant contact, but very quickly looking to grow. Um, they, obviously, there's there's a lot more that you can do with it, or a lot more that you can you can scale up with. But so far, at least the size I'm at, it's been everything's been manageable on the platform I'm working with. Um, there's an, plenty of automation. There's plenty of uh, options so far for the things that I need. But I do see as I'm scaling up and as my list continues to build, uh, I do need to, to step to the next level for sure. Right. I know constant contact's a good one, but I'm a, I'm a Mailchimp, uh, Mailchimp guy. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're all the, they're all the same at the end of the day. As long as, yeah. as long as you get automation. There's out very there. few constant contactors left these days. It seems <laughs> like everybody else has moved on. So I'm I'm probably one of the last ones to move. Oh, let's. All right, uh, Lisa. I like to. I used to like to, to ask people about the best deal they've done, but I'm going to flip it around now. Moving forward, I want to ask you what has been the biggest mistake you've made, and what lesson have you learned? Because it's all good and well talking about success, but failures is what people can really learn from. They can so they can take all that away from the show and say, "Yes, well, Lisa had this failure. I'm going to avoid doing that." Yeah, I, I would I would definitely say it's the leverage thing. Um, just because you you know, and and and, the, and financial times are very different than they were pre two thousand seven. But um, you know, I would tell people just because you can borrow money doesn't mean you should necessarily. And um, for me, it was definitely. Uh, the lesson of of over leveraging and and what that really did when everything kind of came came to an abrupt halt you know a few years ago uh for me it was definitely learning to be a more conservative investor um I, and, and what that looks like specifically for me now is um, far more partnerships uh, uh far less debt investing than I used to do. Um, and, and that is fine with me. Um, I may not be getting as big a piece of every deal as before, but I also don't burden or don't shoulder any of the burden of risk anymore. So that makes me very happy. And, and, you know, if everything, if, if 2007 were to recur, um, I'm in a far better position uh, to weather it through with very little pain this time. Right, right. And what are you investing in these days? I know you mentioned in the beginning notes. Is it just purely notes these days? Yeah, pr- 
primarily non-performing notes. And of course, I'm always doing deals uh, that are, I call them opportunistic deals that maybe come from my network with Aria as well. Um, I wouldn't, my, my history has really been as a rehabber uh, for the first part of my career. And I really enjoy that still. Uh, It's just close to my heart. I don't know what it is. I try to leave it and I keep going back. It's kind of like crack in some way. So um, that is, that is fun for me. And so when those deals come up, I don't, I don't look very hard for them, but when they do come up, I actively want to participate. I enjoy being a lender too, because that helps me be part of more deals also and kind of keep things moving around. Nice, nice. Uh, and last question, Lisa, is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Sure. The best place to reach me is probably at email. Uh, it's Lisa Hagler at lasouthria.com, which is L I S A H O E G L E R at LA South com. And we'll, awesome. We'll have all those links up on the show notes up on the website. Uh, Lisa, you've provided some just incredible content about, you know, making sure uh, you, you, you really concentrate on creating content. People who are out there who want to start uh, a real estate investing network, think about what your, your why. And I think that was a really big takeaway point from today's interview was that you've got to understand why are you doing this meetup event? What are you doing to create it? Is it to create content? Is it to create a learning platform for people? Is it to, to increase your network? Network. And it might be all of those things, but really my takeaway piece of advice from you today, Lisa, is that, you know, understand what your why is and then go out and create it. I just want to quickly recap on some of the, the, the main things that we've talked about today is that, you know, you've to increase your investing career, you, you start a networking event. It's really, really powerful. And just by doing it and committing to it, and I think being consistent with your, with your content and being consistently putting out content, you're going to reap the benefits of, of you being that thought leader in in your space and uh, so, so well done for doing that um, have I left anything out no I think I think you hit the nail on the head you know the, the the most fun part about being in charge of the group itself and creating the content as you're talking about really is that you you basically build the content and that you're most interested in so <laughs> it, it, it can be very self-serving too and it, it's a lot of fun in that respect also <laughs> awesome awesome well Lisa thank you so much for dropping in um, have a great rest of your week and we'll catch up soon Thanks so much, Reed. I appreciate your time too. Cheers. There you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed full of some incredible advice about starting your own real estate networking event. Definitely take a page out of Lisa's book. I know I did. I did exactly the same thing when I first moved to LA. To get RSM Property Group off the ground, I started my own real estate networking event uh, once a month and it's still going strong today. Highly, highly recommend it. You do have, it is a lot of time. It is a lot of effort. You do have to put in that effort, but if you are willing to create, make the sacrifice, you're going to create such an incredible network for yourself. Deals are going to come across your desk. You're going to have a lot more investors to go to with those particular, with your, with those real estate deals. And you're going to be a key person of influence in your sphere. That is just hugely, hugely important. I can't, you know, go on much more about it. Become a key person of influence in your sphere. Um, all right, guys, if you do like any of the, the show, if you do want any of the links from today's show, it's all going to be up on my website at rsnpropertygroup.com. Just remember to click on the podcast tab. I hope this episode has really inspired you to get off the couch 
touch and start investing in US real estate. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge. It's because that's what we're all about here on this show, to continue to grow your financial IQ through real estate education. If you do like this show, jump on iTunes. You know what to do. Jump on iTunes, give the show a review, and then send me a screenshot of the of the review, and I will shoot you my new book, which is The Art and Science of Raising Capital Like a Pro, The 4P Rule. Guys, we're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Thank you.